Christchurch, New Malden, 30th of August 2020. Stephen Kurt speaking on a fresh take on baptism. Well, there's nothing like a new experience to give us a fresh perspective on things within our lives. That's happened to a lot of us with the coming of coronavirus, hasn't it? The experience of lockdown and all the restrictions that have come with it has given many of us a fresh perspective upon the value of things that we might previously have taken for granted. Things like going on holiday, things like watching live sport, meeting up with our friends and our wider families. After the sudden removal of many of those things, we're now being able to experience them a bit more, even if it's still in a manner that is restricted. But the experience of going without things that we've taken for granted means that many of us have been given a fresh perspective on their value. And what I want to encourage alongside this, this Sunday, is a fresh take on the value of our baptism. Most of the people listening to this service will have been baptised. And I wonder if you can recall when it happened and where. You might be more used, particularly if you were a baby at the time, to it being called a christening. We produce a DVD here at Christchurch these days for all those baptised, but most of you listening to this talk won't possess anything similar to that. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was baptised at Trevenson Church in the parish of Illuggan in Cornwall on the 13th of April 1969. And if you haven't got any mementos of your baptism and you can't recall the precise date, it's probable that you still know the church where it occurred and some of the key people involved. In last week's talk, Tim Davis mentioned the 16th century reformer Martin Luther and his rediscovery of the centrality of God's grace to Christianity, the wonderful truth that our rescue by God rests entirely upon what he has done for us through Jesus Christ, rather than anything that we can do for him. But what less people know about Martin Luther is that he saw all of this grace from God contained within baptism. There is no greater comfort on earth than baptism, Martin Luther once declared. And when he wrote these words, he wasn't referring to a recent event in his life, but something that had happened to him 36 years earlier, on the day after he was born. So how can our baptism, particularly if it happened many years ago, make any difference to us now? let alone bring us greater comfort than anything else that we possess. It's quite a claim, isn't it? So how can it possibly be true? Well, it starts by us recognising that baptism is a sign of us belonging to God. One of the things that's becoming more common nowadays is people, after they've passed their driving test, posting a picture of themselves with their pass certificate on social media. And particularly if getting that test has been a bit of a struggle, that past certificate and what it represents is something that they totally cherish and understandably want to display to the world. It shows that they've made it into that group of people that are allowed the freedom of the road. And baptism is rather similar. Unlike a driving test certificate, it doesn't represent any achievement on our part, but it is a powerful sign that we've joined the people that belong to God. From the earliest parts of the biblical story, God called a people to belong to him. 
and the original sign of that belonging was circumcision, the operation performed on an Israelite boy on the eighth day of his life, but a sign which also included the girls and women in families within it. Circumcision was, and still is for Jews today, a collective sign of God's covenant people, of those who belonged to him. And when the New Testament speaks about baptism, it constantly evokes the stories of God's covenant with Israel in the Old Testament. So in Paul's letter to the Galatians, he speaks about those who are baptised being Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And in his letter to the Colossians, Paul speaks about baptism as the circumcision done by Christ. Baptism, in other words, is the thing that has brought you into God's covenant family. In many ways, the best analogy to it is adoption. We've had a family at Christchurch recently adopt two fantastic little children. It's been incredibly moving to see this process happen and the security and status of belonging that has been given to these children. Through their adoption, they've become part of that family with everything that that means. And when I eventually get to baptise them, which we hope won't be too long, they will receive another adoption into God's family with all the security and status that comes with that. It was that security and status that Martin Luther invoked every time failure or doubt made him feel insecure about his standing before God. I am baptised, he used to shout, to remind himself that God had made him part of his family. And perhaps that's something that we need to copy, not necessarily out loud, when similar doubts about our standing before God enter our minds. I am baptised. But baptism isn't just a sign that we belong to God. It's also a sign of how we belong to God. The most obvious part of this is the way that water used in baptising symbolises washing and cleansing. Now we've had to get used to greater standards of hygiene in recent times, haven't we, with hand sanitizers, face masks and so on. But the most basic sanitizer has always been water, and its use within baptism reminds us that because of God's grace supremely in the death of Jesus Christ, we have been brought into his people by being cleansed from our sins. But the symbolism in baptism runs even deeper than this. Within those Old Testament episodes that the New Testament invokes so often when it speaks about baptism, water plays a major and continuous role. The story of Noah's Ark, when God saved Noah and his family from the flood, is one example. And perhaps the most famous in the Old Testament is God rescuing the Israelites from Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea. But there are others as well, such as when Naaman the Syrian was healed of leprosy by washing himself seven times in the River Jordan, and that famous story of Jonah out at sea being swallowed by the fish. And what all of these stories recall and invoke, one way or another, is the story right at the start of the Bible of creation, where God brought life out of the waters of chaos that originally covered the earth. Baptism recalls all of these stories and it says that through us being joined to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ we have become part of this great 
rescue story. When an adult is baptised, which happens from time to time at Christchurch, we tend to plunge them right under the water and back again to symbolise their joining to the death and resurrection of Jesus. But every baptism, at whatever age, is a sign of someone being incorporated into the people rescued by God through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. I don't know whether you've ever been rescued. Every now and again, particularly in the holiday season, you hear stories of people being stranded, often at or near the sea, and having to be rescued. And once that rescue is accomplished, and once it's certain, it must be the most amazing experience for those people to suddenly feel safe and secure. Our baptism, whenever it occurred, is meant to bring us a similar comfort. It declares that we've been joined to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. With all the cleansing and rescue pictured within those countless dramatic stories from the Old Testament, accomplished because of the amazing grace of God. Our baptism shows that we stand completely within that work of God. But there's a final important part of baptism as well. Baptism as a sign of our calling from God. A lot of what I've said could give the impression that the blessings of baptism, cleansing, forgiveness, rescue, adoption by God and so on, it could give the impression that those things are automatic. But the Bible is clear that this isn't the case, with the response of active faith crucial to receiving these blessings. Baptism is a sign of God's grace, and so is everything that baptism contains, but it's a grace that needs to be received through faith. There is an expression that a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. If a child in particular receives a dog as a Christmas present, there's often huge excitement about this. But it's a gift that fairly obviously includes massive responsibility. And all the blessings of that dog only will continue if that responsibility is responded to. Another illustration is that of someone receiving a cheque or a present or an invitation with their name on it. When we receive something like that, it says a great deal, doesn't it? In a sense, we already possess what has been given to us. But if the cheque is forgotten and remains uncashed, if the present remains unopened, and if the invitation is ignored or forgotten, these things, however powerful they originally were as signs, become meaningless. And it's the same with baptism. Baptism is a sign of everything that we're given by God through Jesus Christ. And we're given these things completely through God's undeserved act of grace. But we receive this grace through an ongoing life of active faith. A faith that seeks to live as God wants us to. And that's because being part of God's people through baptism isn't so much about privilege over those outside of his people as vocation, the calling of those who are baptised to display the reality of God to the world. That's what the people of Israel were called to do. And by and large, they failed in being this. But God didn't give up on this plan which is why he sent Jesus Christ, whom through his perfect obedience to God and as Israel's Messiah, fulfilled this calling. And what this means 
is that through belonging to Jesus through baptism, we too are enabled to fulfill that calling of living for God in the world. And through active lives of faith, display his light and carry his love to a world in need. When the New Testament speaks about the responsibilities of the baptised, it speaks of three things. It speaks of the importance of holiness, a purity of life. It speaks of unity with other Christians, the bonds of love between us and the active service of one another. And it also speaks of the willingness to suffer through proclaiming and living out the good news of Jesus Christ. All of the things in those passages that were read to us earlier and all things that reflect the nature of our baptism as a death to sin and rising to new life in Jesus Christ and a response of faith to the grace and the calling that God has given us through baptism. So what has this got to do with receiving comfort? Many of you will be familiar with the Bayer Tapestry made by the followers of William the Conqueror to celebrate the Norman conquest of England in 1066. William's half-brother, Oddo, was Bishop of Bayer, and in one panel of the tapestry he appears on a horse, sword in hand, behind some soldiers prodding them forward into battle, and the caption above reads in Latin, Bishop Oddo comforts the troops. Now we might think that prodding someone into battle is a rather strange kind of comfort, but fort at the end of that word means strong, and comfort is all about giving strength to people when they're feeling weak and vulnerable. And that very much includes the strength to fulfil the calling that is made of us. And it's within our baptism that we not only find the comfort to know that we belong to God and what has happened to bring this about, but the comfort that comes from knowing that God strengthens and equips us through baptism with his Holy Spirit to work for him in the world. Coronavirus is an odd time, but it's also one that has brought many valuable fresh perspectives upon things that we might otherwise sit lightly to, we might otherwise take for granted. Baptism, at whatever age it occurs, can all too easily become more or less forgotten, rather than continue being, as the New Testament intends it to be, the basis of our entire Christian life. Something to be constantly recalled, something to be invoked, something to be cherished. And so even if we possess very little to help us actually recall that event if we have no video or DVD, no mementos, no certificate, no candle or no Bible of the occasion. Even if we have none of those things, let's still take time to ponder the significance of our baptism. Let's think back to where it occurred, who the key people were who supported us at that stage, who brought us to baptism. Let's think about what it proclaims, about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and all those different types of comfort that it contains. Let's use it as the encouragement that we need to live lives for God of holiness, unity with other Christians and the willingness to suffer for God as a vital part of the calling that he's given to his people of shining a light for him in the world. <laughs>